Hey there, welcome to another episode of Fast Forward, a podcast from QSR Magazine. My name is Sam Okus. I'm the editor of QSR and the editorial director of Food News Media. Uh, we are in the midst of a series of episodes covering the coronavirus outbreak, and we are offering interviews from restaurant professionals around the industry who are offering creative ideas, tips, solutions, some practical help uh, for restaurant operators in their time of need to get through this season uh, with their lights on. This includes interviews with everyone from restaurant operators to vendors to consultants to data analysts, anybody who has some uh, perspective, a unique perspective on what a restaurant can do to survive. Uh, we are also keeping uh, this information posted on our website, qsrmagazine.com slash coronavirus. Again, that's qsrmagazine.com slash coronavirus. Just trying to keep you informed. Uh, we feel like at this point in time, there's really no such thing as too much communication. Everybody's just trying to survive day by day, and we want to be that resource for you to help you know how to do that. I would love for you to also contact me Sam at qsrmagazine.com. If you have questions, if you have that unique perspective, or if you just want to talk, please reach out to me, Sam at qsrmagazine.com. We're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to have a conversation now with the editor of FSR Magazine, QSR sister publication covering uh, the full service side of things. Nicole Duncan is the editor. She is, she's going to start doing a couple episodes a week covering what's going on in the full service side of things. As as many of you probably know, uh, the FSR side has really taken a bigger hit uh, than the QSR side of things with the coronavirus outbreak, as of course, FSR brands really depended on that dine-in business. And with dining rooms closed across most of America, uh, that business is pretty much gone. Now, while some FSR brands are learning to adapt and to create unique products in order to get through this time, a lot of them have closed. So what we wanted to do was have Nicole start having some conversation with FSR operators, providing some tips on, on what to do in this season if you are a full-service operator. So her first interview that we're rolling into right now is with Michael McHenry. Uh, Michael is the founder of the McHenry Group based in Salt Lake City. Uh, He has several restaurants in his portfolio, including Oakwood Fire Kitchen and Ginger Street. Uh, Nicole wanted to talk to Michael because he has a perspective on of running a portfolio of restaurant concepts, which includes both full service and fast casual. Uh, It also includes a restaurant that just opened. Uh, Michael had some practical tips on uh, what to do in a position like this if you are, uh, if you have newly opened restaurants if you have multiple concepts, and if you have full-service brands. He talks a little bit, too, about how social media has really helped them to get through this time. So sharing now a conversation between FSR editor Nicole Duncan and the McHenry Group founder, Michael McHenry. Like many cities around the country, Salt Lake City, where you're based, they um, had the restaurant ban begin about two weeks ago from today. Um, how has that been for you all since then? Yeah. I, I mean, what a, what a wild time, um, not only to be alive, but to be operating uh, during, this, during this current state. It's just most definitely has changed uh, the way that we do business um, with, without question. For sure, for sure. Because you, you have a, a mixture of different concepts. Can you tell me about each? Because um, some of them are newer, too. Um, so, yeah, restaurateur, uh, founder of the McHenry Group, and we're a progressive boutique restaurant group uh, based here in Salt Lake City. And we uh, own and operate three different brands uh, currently. Um, The McHenry Group launched about uh, a year and a half uh, or so. I guess it'll be two years in June. So we're a young company, but, you know, several years of of collective experience in the industry. And so, yeah, we own and operate uh, three restaurants, like mentioned before. We have Ginger Street, uh, which is Southeast Asian hawker style street food. Uh, right here in the heart of Salt Lake City. So really excited, very flavorful. Um, 
very, very hip and cool uh, here for the city. And then we have Oakwood Fire Kitchen, which is um, a new American, high emphasis on Neapolitan style handmade pizzas, pasta, small plates and, and large uh, plates as well. Pretty expansive, intentional, natural wine list and good pairings there. And that's tucked right in, in a suburb uh, called Draper that's near Salt Lake City. And so it's fun to have that neighborhood restaurant engagement. Our chefs out there tossing pizzas and making pastas as, as he's, you know, engaging with the, with the guests there in the dining room at the bar top. And then uh, recently, just about 12 weeks ago, second week or so, middle of, middle of January, we launched uh, Dirty Bird fried chicken, which is our Nashville inspired uh, fried chicken sandwich concept. Uh, only six items on the menu. Uh, our fried chicken sandwich is three different ways, uh, two, two varieties of, of fries, and then our uh, pimento and saltines that we uh, have on the side there. And so uh, really cool. Um, and so, yeah, Ginger Street came to market, um, what, about eight, nine months ago. And uh, Oak, we've had an operations now for It'll be two years in September. And then, uh, like I mentioned before, Dirty Bird just opened uh, middle of January. So, I mean, I, that's got to be a hell of a time to be opening a restaurant. <laughs> I got to tell you, I thought I timed this perfectly, Nicole. I was like, <laughs> hey, let's get off the ground in January. We'll get operations under underway. And for Dirty Bird specifically, we're like, hey, we're going to like, we'll be building momentum right as we spring into spring. And as you know, March is typically like one of the biggest, busiest months of the year for restaurants, especially those on the QSR, like FSR side. Like that's most definitely, um, you know, a busy time for us. And here we are like slammed with this pandemic going like, okay, uh, not what we intended. Uh, even our contingency plans three weeks ago, our worst case scenarios are kind of like almost our best case scenario, uh, you know, in this given state. And I don't think anyone anticipated going dark. Um, you know, let alone seeing, I think they're saying the national, uh, or I'm hearing some metric that, that restaurants that are open and operating are seeing revenue, uh, loss, like greater than 80% at this point. It's just it's devastating. Yeah, it really is for sure. And so how are you all um, having three concepts that are very different from both their offerings, but also having a mix of a full service restaurant, um, but then to fast casuals, how are you kind of adapting to that? And one being in a food hall, I think I should add um, that one of your concepts is in a food hall, right? Yeah, which is, yeah, dir Dirty Bird. Yeah, so Dirty Bird is, <laughs> is most definitely in a food hall. But, I, you know, Nicole, it really, like, to kind of pull it up a layer, it's really, I think, first and foremost, it's keeping our communities and our teams and our businesses safe right? That's like the big guiding principle right now. It's like, you've got to identify this way. Like, how do we control the environment? How do we get just hyper-focused on sanitation, food handling? You know, how are we adapting our environments to implement no contact takeouts as, as well as curbside and delivery? So that's like, first and foremost, we had to get con like greater control of the environment. As you know, um, in the industry, we've always been safe and sanitary. Um, but today, more than ever, we're, there's greater disciplines and added disciplines to make sure that we're creating good barrier. Um, and when you come from the hospitality business, that's really difficult to do when you, all you want to do is kind of be like right there front and center with every person and every experience. Like we work side by side. We hug our customers. That's just that's the hospitality business in a sense. And so it's, it's really taken um, 
some time for us to, to identify how to do that safely. And so that's first and foremost what we had to do. And so we've we've created some um, designated pickup areas for takeout as well as our third party deliveries. We've implemented curbside in, all, in our full service restaurants. Um, we, we negotiated um, early with third party deliveries so that DoorDash stepped in and, and offered free delivery for us. So we've had that uh, in motion uh, this entire time. Then we've also implemented um, you know, online ordering uh, through our web platforms. And so it's really having to identify how do we shape our full service you know, businesses uh, into takeout curbside and delivery only and on you know, our quick service side from the counter service side, um, one thing in Utah is you're actually not taking payment, um, no, no in-person transaction. So everything has to happen on the digital platform or by phone. And so um, on our Dirty Bird business, we've um, had to rely solely on online phone and the delivery platforms. And so that's been um, kind of the biggest kind of operational opportunity for us is just really getting uh, control of the environment. Mm -hmm. And um, how much would you say roughly would carry out or delivery account for each of the restaurants, like that portion of the business? I imagine it might have been more for Ginger Pre-pandemic or, or, or yeah, current? pre-pandemic. Like what did off-premises look like for you all before this? Well, one good thing for the McHenry Group is that we've always um, entertained, you know, online delivery and takeout as a, as a big part of our business because we just believe in, in maximizing those conveniences and those bridges. So um, pre-pandemic state, about 30% of our revenues uh, at two out of our three restaurants were coming you know, from uh, takeout, delivery, uh, and online. Um, that was Ginger Street and, and Dirty Bird. However, Oak's business was only about 15% uh, or so of our business was takeout um, until we revved into this. And now we're in a situation where we've really tackled this in a, in a very robust way. And so a hundred percent of our revenues, um, are coming, you know, from these platforms and we've, I think been scrappy enough, uh, uh you know, our, our kind of like our leading maxim right now is innovate, swing for the fences and stay healthy. And that's like an hour by hour focus of ours. And so, um, we've been able to achieve about 50% of normalized revenue, uh, this past week. And wow. this week we have some kind of new tricks, new ways, um, going really heavy on social, um, telling our story of, of, of sanitation and new disciplines and how we're keeping, uh, you know, the, uh, the community's health top of mind, um, the, the integrity and health of our, of our teams and businesses. So we're sharing that message socially as well as we have some, some good kind of directional um, and kind of flow signage throughout uh, our operations. We're also just telling the story of our craft. Like we're getting out there and talking about our food, talking about where we source it from, talking about why we stand behind the ingredients and the experiences um, that that, uh, that we create here and how we're bridging the gap between, you know, our dining rooms and your very own dining room now. And that's something I had to kind of step out of Nicole in this pandemic and go like, as a restaurateur, like, why do I do what I do? Um, and you know, for me, it's, it's simple. I think some get in for their love of food or their love of experience and, and things that they do. And for me, it's about connectivity. Like I'm in this business because I love to connect people uh, through food and our dining rooms. I just, it's experience is what it's about for me. And, and what I realized 
um, like early last week is that we still have an opportunity to connect uh, our guests safely um, to our dining room experiences. The difference is, is we're just connecting through these new offerings of, of takeout, delivery, and curbside. And we're going to create our very restaurant-focused uh, experience in, in kind of the safety and comfort of our guests' very own dining room now. And that's been a big mental shift. And so that's our North Star. Like that's what we're pointed towards. How do we create that experience, um, you know, in the comfort and safety of, of uh, our guests' own dining room at this point? And before we started recording, you and I were talking about uh, social media just over the last two weeks, really both of us kind of increasing <laughs> our usage of it, but seeing it overall um, being such a pivotal point for what's going on. Um, and I know you were saying, you know, that connection is so important. Are you feeling that these digital channels are kind of helping keep that um, restaurant customer interaction and conversation going? Massive. It's, it's massive. It's, it's like if I was to kind of sort of deem this right now, it's like social platforms, you know, Instagram specifically. It's like in our business, it's like the new host stand and server. It's, it's really that interactive. And, and I've started just really, I've been putting a lot of video content out. Our restaurants, in addition to running uh, daily specials and offerings and, and sharing our, our increased disciplines and the things that we're doing, we're just, we're out there storytelling. And, and we're engaging, we're, we're opening up dialogue, we're harvesting relationships. And I think now there's so many people home that are, that are craving that kind of social engagement. And I'm, I'm finding that um, our, our, the type of engagement that we're getting on social is, is like what we uh, have experienced, but in a sustained way now that you would get from the launch of a new, new restaurant, new brand, you know, a grand opening, a relaunch. And so we're seeing that type of uh, we're seeing that kind of that count of impressions as well as that type of engagement. We're just sustaining it over over a period of time. And so I can't think of a better way to market your business and stay relevant in the communities that you love and that you serve than to do it on social media at this point. Exactly. exactly. Just because that is um, even if you have the best carriers to ensure that the food integrity survives transit, there's still kind of that missing interaction with your server or just kind of the atmosphere of the restaurant itself that kind of you want to make sure isn't completely lost. That's, that's where the hospitality is happening. You know, believe it or not, like that's where we get to talk to people like that's because right now when someone walks in it, I don't know if you've, if you've entertained much pickup or, or curbside or delivery yet, but it's kind of like hands off, like leave it at the door, special instructions, don't talk to me. And then all of a sudden you jump on Instagram, you jump on Facebook, you jump on Twitter and it's like, oh my gosh, like I loved I'm so grateful that you guys are running the yellow curry or, or, you know, at Oakwood by our kitchen, like, Oh, I ordered the brisket uh, family special for, you know, for my family last night and it was bonkers, but you're not getting that in the handoff. You're not, you're not getting that when someone pops their trunk and you set the food in the trunk, you close it and, and you wave and you immediately walk in, you shed your gloves, wash your hands and get back to work. Um, and so that's like that social media is where we're, is where we're like really thriving on hospitality right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being still in, even though the last two weeks feel for many of us, like they've been two months or longer, um, it's still very early days. And a lot of the predictions we're seeing are saying that this could last much longer and we should kind of buckle in. Um, as someone who is an innovator, when you look at this stretching out, 
weeks or months possibly, what do you see being both the greatest challenge, but then also the greatest opportunity for your restaurants? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this is this kind of maybe a two or three part. I think the, the biggest opportunity that we're going to face without question is like sustained viability. Like, you know, over a long period of time, I'm hearing rumors it could be it could be June, July, maybe even as, as, as far out as August before, um, you know, we'll have butts in the seats again in our own mm-hmm. dining rooms. That's a big deal, especially those that have, that have you know, that have a large operating restaurants. Um, you know, you're going to have to to really and I and I can speak on this truly to our current state. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately, there's so many restaurants that are already closing. Um, you know, within our market, there's already been hundreds of restaurants closing and, and thousands of team members without work. And um, it, that is devastating without question. There's also that opportunity to, to lean in and get really scrappy. Um, and this is a time that, that um, whether that's innovating in operations, innovating in marketing, or innovating in all of the above, it's just time to absolutely lean in. And so I think right now what we have to realize is that how we used to do business is it, it's forever changed. Um, we're in a new state. And I think um, to believe that we're going to get right back to dining rooms or right back to the way that it used to be, I think is selling uh, ourselves and our operations. And I think the, the future you know, viability and opportunity of our business is short. You've got to, you've got to look at your current state. You've got to look at, at the, the, you know, operations and, and I think just the market behavior. And for me, I think that, um, you know, uh, I've, I've, I kind of feel like that's why I'm in brand creation. I feel like I've had this ability over the years to kind of look around corners a bit and like, look at what trends are, where I feel like the market's heading and, and what, what brand and and restaurant can I take and kind of fill that gap or fulfill that need that's coming about. And I feel like we're in that very place right now. It's, it's how are we going to innovate and continue to deliver on our craft, um, in, in kind of the most creative and sustained way. So my big advice right now is you've just got to, you got to kind of forget where you used to be and you got to go all in on where you are today and find out how you either adapt your current business or you evolve into a new business that can entertain in today's market. Um, and, you know, that's when, when fine dining uh, realizes that, that they no longer have the opportunity to have, you know, wine pairings at, at table side or tabletop linen. But how do I create an experience where I can still create a course menu? I can still do wine pairings, but much of this is recommendation as well as like fluid timing in, you know, pickup, uh, curbside and delivery. So it's time to, to create and innovate. For sure. All words of optimism. I think that everyone in the restaurant industry is hoping for now. Yeah, I think, uh, Nicole, there's, there's just already too much fear. There's, there's too much fear and anxiety and, 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 and I'm not discounting the, the true and present health risks that are here within, within our communities. I also know that, uh, today more than ever, um, our industry's never been safer and more disciplined and more committed than it is now. Um, and so when you talk about like implementing social distancing in the kitchen, what does that mean? Like line, you know, your, your line cooks and chefs and, and uh, servers and hosts and busters and dishwashers, like we're a tight knit community. We, we operate as families. And now all of a sudden you got to realize that, that we're running, you know, line shifts where, now, most of this is revenue related, so there is some kind of silver lining in keeping people safe when you have such a loss in revenue. But what we used to operate with three to five people 
on a serving line. Now we operate with one to two with, with some social distancing measures, not because those two don't you know, ultimately love or respect each other. It's just about keeping everybody safe. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been, you know, no question it's, it's changed the game. And, um, but we have to realize that, that we also have to stay in business. We're here to, to maintain like uh, great health and wellness as well as maintain uh, opportunity. Because I'll tell you like the biggest kind of overarching North star for me uh, beyond staying healthy is providing opportunity for that core team to continue to, to earn, uh, to earn income and maintain lifestyle and legacy. That's, you know, you're talking to an operator who has always prioritized uh, his team members before anything else. And I'll continue to do that. And I also with the heaviest of hearts, and I think we saw this from union square hospitality and Danny Meyer and his group, um, you know, laying off, you know, 75% or more of your staff, um, when you've always believed that that greatest investment is in your people. Um, and also just always having the like purest and best intent, um, for the health and well-being of your team. And how do you do that, um, during a pandemic? And I've, I've just realized that, that there's no question that their health and safety is there and also like their security in, uh, you know, their economic state is as a commitment we have to make as well. And that's a really fine line right now. It's a really fine line. And the only way you're going to achieve it is with really good disciplines, really good disciplines. Um, while you're eager for, for revenue creation. Exactly. Make sure the people come first regardless. My goodness. And it's just, it's hard to do. It's, it's hard to do right now because you want to act in the best interest of all stakeholders. And when you really start to prioritize that, um, you just realize that, that you can only, you can only take things so far in some directions. And so, um, you know, we've just had to, we've, we've really just hunkered down to our core staffs. Um, We've had, you know, I, I think an artful division of labor. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, this is, um, we're making, you know, decisions uh, by hour and we're not kind of resting on any one victory. And we're most definitely not, uh, we're not prolonging needed change. Like right now you have to act and react uh, in real time. And I think that's the only way um, you're going to be able to sustain um, any type of viability um, and I think well-being for uh, your team and your community during this time. Exactly. exactly. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me on Fast Forward. Um, wishing you, your partners, and the rest of the team well through this. Yeah. No. Likewise. I, Nicole. Anytime I can jump on with you and and just talk about the good stuff, I just, um, you know, I'm encouraging everyone to just stay healthy and stay full. Exactly. And hopefully next time we chat, it'll be happier circumstances for all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're gonna, we're all going to get through this uh, without question. So we just, we got to lean in and, and bring things to the table that uh, maybe we've never done before. We're not used to doing, but um, I'll tell you that, that if there's an industry out there that is built for hard work and, and being scrappy and, and innovative, um, it's our restaurant industry for sure. So I'm cheering everybody on. <laughs>